0: This is the new Metro New York Market. Hey everybody, Zach here. Thanks so much for hanging out. I just want to thank everyone. Any person that's given me a like, a comment, a share, a text message, a phone call, an email, a message. Anyone that's reached out with the smallest of words encouraging me and telling me that they get something out of this and there's even been some people that have been introduced to each other through the podcast thank you so much I'm so glad I appreciate it so much thank you it really means a lot to me even the smallest words so if you are listening and you get anything out of this shoot me a note send me an email text whatever I really appreciate it thank you so much This is our 10th episode here and the response that I've gotten so far throughout the industry is really humbling me. And, um, it just, it just motivates me to want to do more and to do better. But at the same time, I'm running a business here at Omni food sales. So I'm not going to be regularly posting every week, but when good things come up, then, uh, then we're definitely going to share it. I've been at a few different food shows over the last month. There are some things I'd like to share and and we will find some time to uh, get those insights together on a future podcast. So that being said, um, I think it was a few weeks ago that myself and Rachel, Rachel, say hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Rachel helps out. This podcast would not be possible without her. Uh, We went to New York. I was invited to speak at a delegation of food companies from the UK, Santander Bank, In partnership with Altios International, they reached out to me um, like two or three months ago and asked me if I would be okay coming to this event and talking to a group of leading food manufacturers from the UK about how to enter the New York market, the U.S. market, and really grow in this country. So it's a difficult landscape to deal with. You guys know me. I'm super passionate about this industry, about how to build a brand. I live it. So I accepted the invitation and went. Rachel and I went together and uh, we had a great time. It was at Santander Banks headquarters on, what was it, Midtown, Rach, in the 50s?
1: I believe so, yes.
0: So like 59th Street or something. Anyway, it was really cool. We were on one of the top floors. We were in the boardroom. It felt great being in the boardroom. Um, I gave a short presentation. There were no notes. There was no PowerPoint. It was just me shooting from the hip kind of freestyling about my experience, my background, growing up in this industry, um, today's supermarket, what's relevant, what's new, what are the trends, and then genuine advice. I-, I want to see other companies learn from other companies' mistakes. So I gave heartfelt recommendations about what to do to be successful, about you know, uh, not wasting buyer's time, about being prepared, about doing their homework, about product sampling, uh, about promotions about ingraining and becoming a lifestyle brand so we talked about all those things were there any any other topics Rachel, that I talked about that I may not have mentioned?
1: I think I think that was everything i you know background yeah everything you said yeah
0: okay and then after that I stuck around for a q and a session where uh, I answered about a dozen or so questions that were Pretty good pretty good from these leading companies from the UK. So enjoy the questions. Enjoy the answers. Enjoy my speech You guys didn't stay afterwards. We didn't record afterwards but the the delegation also asked me to meet with these brands one-on-one after the speech Which I did I stayed for lunch and then met with these brands one-on-one. So all in all it was a great day We had a lot of fun Um, Rach any other thoughts you have to add on it?
1: I think that covers it. Yeah Hopefully everyone enjoys.
0: All right, so enjoy the speech. And if you're a food professional, food brand, event, and you want to have Zach appear, speak, talk to your group, send me a note. I'm interested. All right, enjoy. Talk to you later. And of course, as always, let me know what you think. If it's good, if it's bad, if it was mediocre, if you laughed, if you thought that was funny, or if you already knew that, just let me know. I would love to hear from you. So thank you so much, and as always, remember, not all days are created equal. All right, good morning, everybody. My name is Zach Romanoff. I'm the president of Omni Food Sales. Um, Well, before I begin, I got a few emails from people that are here. Does anyone have any questions about um, the retail landscape or Omni or anything that they want to ask before I talk a little bit? Okay, then I'll jump right in. So I'll start, and feel free to interrupt if you have any questions along the way, because I'm just going to go and go until someone stops. Okay? So, uh, Guy, thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Zach Romanoff. I'm the president of Omni Food Sales. Um, as the photo here shows, Omni is the premier food brand advocate in the metro New York market. We are broker. That's kind of what you would recognize us as, but we're not a broker. We're a brand advocate. I don't like that term- terminology whatsoever, and in fact, at Omni Food Sales, we've taken the word broker and we've thrown it out the window. We don't use it anymore because it's not an accurate term. A broker is what you use when you buy a house or you buy a stock. That's a singular transaction that you hire someone for because they are an expert, and then after that transaction, you really don't need them anymore. Right? And people kind of labeled food brokers because it was convenient for them to do so, but our role is not a broker. Right? We're, not, we're not setting up one-time deal and then the brand goes in and then it's happily ever after. It's a constant, ongoing battle that you face every single day if you're fortunate enough to get in and get the business, and then five years from there, and then ten years from there. So the term that's more applicable to what Omni Food Sales does is we're an advocate. Similar to how an attorney is an advocate for their client, whether that client is right or wrong, guilty or innocent doesn't matter and in the food industry Omni finds ourselves in positions where what's important or what needs to get done for the manufacturer does not match up with what the retailer or distributor wants and Omni reports to the manufacturer that's who pays Omni as an advocate commission so at the end of the day we need to find compromises that work for the manufacturer and the retailer so that's advocate Um, we've taken this term and really turning the industry upside down with it because brokers for the most part don't have a good reputation, don't have a good name, right? There are bad brokers out there. There's bad information out there. There are brokers that just want to get you in and will will tell you a story just to get you to give them your business and then once they get it, they'll sit and then you'll be stuck in a situation that you may not be happy with. So there's a lot of that that goes on out there. And we're really looking to change that perception one person at a time, and that's what we're doing. The company was founded in 1993 by my father Richard, who uh, founded Omni out of a food distributor. My father, the Romanov family, has been in the food industry for five generations. Um, it's all my family knows, and the Romanov name carries a lot of weight. There are buyers, there are retailers, there are. Manufacturers that have known my great-grandfather, if you can imagine that. Grandfather, father, and me. So it's really hard to do anything else but this,
1: but it feels really good when
0: when I'm walking to buyer's offices or at shows or events, and people say, oh, you know, you're Jerry's grandson, or you're Richie's kid, and they know everyone. So it holds a lot of weight. They started in the Hunts Point Meat Market, and even the meatpacking district in Manhattan before that, before it was known for their restaurants and nightlife, It was an actual meat market and that's where our family worked and the meat was sold there you know in the middle of the night And by nine or ten o'clock in the morning everything was done the meat was sold for the day they sold oxtails and tripe items like that and in doing so my father went out and pioneered routes and developed relationships with individual store owners throughout the Metro New York area and then beyond so I was short it was shortly after I was born that the company was founded And after several manufacturers approached my father and said, hey, you're reaching all these people in the inner city, in Manhattan, in Queens, in Brooklyn, and I can't do it. Can you take my product and try to sell my products in these marketplaces? So my father said, yes. And that's how Omni Food Sales was founded. There was a need for it. So this happened when I was very young, like I said. And as I grew up, both of these companies grew up. So I've been able to see from a courtside seat what it takes to grow two businesses in America, in the food industry, which is challenging. So before going to high school or college, I already got a graduate business degree in negotiating, <laughs> managing, leadership, dealing with crisis, picking up customers, and a whole bunch of other things that um, that I could go on about. But I've got uh, the wherewithal to understand leadership at the top, needing to provide um, return on investment for your clients, that's the most important thing, but then also how to live in the bunkers, how to go out in the field and make things happen. There are some people that are really comfortable at the top and can really talk a good game, and there are some people that are really good workers that are good in the bunkers. I'm a combination of both, Right? I, I understand what it takes to be successful, and I understand how to go out and do it myself, because I've done it. I've worked in all the different fields of Omni Food Sales, I've worked in a warehouse, one of my earliest jobs was working in a refrigerated warehouse where I had to wear five layers of clothes, long johns, gloves, winter boots, um, jacket, scarf, sweats- sweatsuit, snowsuit, everything, in the middle of summer, to go in a warehouse and manually pulling cases off uh, pallets and, and different uh, parts of the warehouse, putting them on, loading them on the truck. Did this for years, but also, as I got older, made deliveries on the truck as a driver's assistant. Doing these jobs gave me a huge understanding and appreciation for the people that have to go and get things done, right? Just to give you an idea, I mean, for a truck driver, it's really hard. People don't want to share the road with a truck. Sometimes you get an address, it's the wrong address. You get to a store. A store doesn't want to be bothered with you, and there's seven other trucks there, and you've got to compete with those other trucks to unload your product first. If If the receiver's not nice to you or in a good mood, You may have to do it all by hand. If he is nice, he'll give you a hand jack, or a pallet jack, and you can use that to unload. So very time consuming, and no one really wants to hear about how hard it is. They just want you to get it done. So I've done those jobs early on, and then um, at Omni Food Sales, we have three divisions. We have retail reps. Retail reps are people that are strictly in stores, that their job is strictly to go into stores, talk to department managers, check the planograms, see what's on the planogram, what's not in the store, and ask department managers, hey, how's this going? How's your store doing? How's business overall? Build a relationship, get along, and see how you could bring value to these people. And then ultimately, of course, try to get your products onto the shelves if they're not there already. So I had a territory of stores myself, and that's what I did, full time. I would get in my car and I had a route that i managed and serviced And built relationships with the different department managers and supervisors for months at a time when you do that you really learn what goes on at store level you really learn the thought sometimes there's a lot of thought that goes into it and sometimes there's no thought that goes into it and just from you being there and showing up you can get something done but it's not the same every store you go to it's really different everywhere you go specifically in this market which is the New York Metro market which is one hell of a market It's the most ethnically diverse It's very challenging to do business here, but it's very influential if you can do business in the New York market If you're looking to crack in from outside the US, this is the place to do it That's where a lot of brands do it because if you launch here It really sets yourself up for success in the other markets, you know in Texas in Florida in California and then everywhere in between But this is one of the most influential places So worked as a retail rep Worked in Omni's office, getting familiar with all of our principles, all their policies, all the manufacturers and how they do business, what they prefer to do, order minimums, um, setting up new items, working on deliveries, coordinating with customers to make sure everything goes smoothly together. There's a lot of back end stuff that if, not, if everything is not lined up and put away neatly, so to speak, then you'll have a problem and all that relationship building and hard work you did at store level goes to naught. So there's a lot of respect that I have for the people in the office that do the back end work and keep everything tight together. And then our third division are business managers, are people that strictly go out to call on the accounts. So here's the logos for some of them here in this marketplace. There's about 25 in total. They they total to about 1,300 stores. Um, some of them are outside the city, so to speak, but they're still considered part of this market because of where they're buying offices. The states that we cover are New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Delaware. And it's growing every day. This market is growing and that's a good thing. What you're seeing across the industry for the most part right now is retailer consolidation. Basically the cost of doing business for a retailer is going up. It's become harder and harder for a supermarket to operate their business profitably. There's a few reasons why. One of them is the minimum wage cost has gone up in the city. It's now $15 an hour. All right, well, okay, you used to pay a guy nine or $10 an hour, now you have to pay him $15 an hour. Right? It seems like one expense, but it's not. Because if your minimum guy is now making $15 an hour, that means your middle guy and your higher level guy all need to make more than that. So retailers have had to shuffle and figure out how are we gonna offset this expense that's coming at us now. So that's one thing increased competition is number two you've had international retailers that have been circling this market for years and there have been rumors about them coming in in a big way shots have been fired they've come in acquisitions have been made two retailers that were in new york for a long time king cullen and best markets they've sold to stop and shop and to legal so other retailers are wanting to learn what it's like to do business here It's a very important marketplace, and there's more players here, there's more options. There's the club stores, there are convenience stores now that have full food offerings. Um, And then of course, there's the Amazon Whole Foods, which is the behemoth that everyone is wondering what's gonna happen because those guys threaten that if they get it all right with their two-hour home delivery and everything else that they offer, you know, cashless, registerless stores, they really threaten to change the whole industry but it it's, remains to be seen whether they've been able to get that done right yet. So there's a lot going on right now, and from every, all the people that I've spoken with, um, remember my family's been in this for a long time, there's been more change in the supermarket industry in the last five years than there's been in the last 25 years. All right? That means there was a way of doing business that a lot of people my senior, that I compete with, are used to doing, and that used to be successful. That is not the case anymore. Right? It requires outside-the-box thinking, it requires new approaches, and number one, it requires the manufacturers to be on the level, on the playing field of the retailer, and to understand what the retailer is looking for from the get-go. And that means you have one chance to make a first impression. All right? If you are not ready to do business in this marketplace, and by that I mean if you are not ready to begin shipping your product tomorrow, Do not present your product to anyone here. Don't do it. Don't waste your time. And I understand the majority of us here are in sales or in production, and there's pressure to perform. And everyone wants to get things going and start putting wins up on the board. And what I'm telling you is don't sprint down the hill and grab one or two on the way down. Walk down the hill and collect everything on the way down the hill. That's how you need to do business here. That's how it's done. Um, I've seen... I've been part of business relationships where people have told me, everything will be ready. All the approval is made. We're all good to go. Go get us the PO, and we did it, and we got the PO, and then somewhere along the way, there was a mishap, and now they can't ship product, and we've had retailers waiting after they already told their membership that things were coming out, and for months, product would not ship. That manufacturer did get things right and began shipping that retailer, but there was a host of other issues that came up. It was always about the manufacturer, when they were gonna ship, the amount, always a change with this, can you change this, can you change that? They made it all about them, and guess what? They got discontinued. They're not doing business here anymore. As a manufacturer, especially global manufacturers, you are outside this market. You are unique. You bring certain things to the table. I was recently in France, I just got back. Croissants, baguettes, I've had them every day. They're amazing. That product is not here. The the bread just doesn't taste as good. There are certain things that you do in your countries that are better than what's being done here. That's your story, you need to tell it. You need to tell it and you need to understand that you can't be bigger than the retailer. The retailer comes first and you need to fit into their, their business philosophy and their scheme. And every retailer has their own set of charitable endeavors, sponsorships, community events that are important to them. And if you really want to launch a brand here, you would identify what those things are before showing your product to a buyer. Because like I said, you get that one chance for a first impression. And by the way, to do that, choose carefully who's going to represent you. Because if you sit down with a buyer and you're not familiar with the way things are done here, There may be a situation where you get lost in translation. I've seen that too. So be careful about who you choose to represent you and who's going to navigate you through the minefields and the different things that will come up. There are some distributors that will greet you with a handshake and a smile along with a contract that asks for exclusive distributor rights. Don't sign that. Don't do that. I know that when you're outside the playing field and you want to get in the game, and this guy promised you, Just throwing out an example, we can get you 20 cases a week. Oh, that sounds good, I'm not selling any cases a week right now. But what if by signing that exclusive distributorship, you sell 20 cases a week, there's another account that could sell 200 cases a week, and now you can't sell them because you promised exclusive rights to the first guy that got you. Like I said, walk down the hill and collect everyone. Don't run down the hill to grab one or two. It's a long horse race. So, let's see, I covered a couple things there. Let me just make sure I went through everything else here. Our mission is simple. Our mission is simple, increase sales and distribution. When Omni is hired, we are here to increase your sales, to run your business, that's it. To increase the, the lines, the, the bottom line. Uh, we service all departments. Like I said, we were born in the meat, but we've also evolved. We have now represent companies in Delhi, dairy and frozen and a few grocery lines too um, you get what you pay for right like anything else in life if you buy the car that's one-fifth the cost of the other car and that car's gonna break down but if you pay a little bit more you get good advice you get a good person they'll navigate you and they'll put you in the right way so be careful who you choose to represent yourself um, and also get familiar with all the accounts and the supermarkets and ask whoever you're gonna to choose to represent you, what are the things we need to do? What's the marketing program that we need to put in place before we go see John X from you know, Julio's supermarkets? So that before you go in there, you've got a whole marketing plan that your expert told you, I know you're gonna ask for this, bam, we've got funds approved for this. I know you're looking for promotions, X amount, frequency, and duration, bam, we've got all that for you here. right, you can't waste people's time. Time is of the essence. Buyers here are stretched. Buyers here are doing two or three jobs. It used to be a lot more fun. They They got to spend more time looking at new items. Now it's about fulfillment. It's about keeping the stores full, keeping the stocks full. I mean, believe it or not, there are very few inventory management systems that show a buyer when their shelves are full or empty. Think about that. When a shelf is empty, consumer can't buy products, no one can sell it, and it happens quite often. If you go to some supermarkets, you're all here for the weekend for the fancy show, check out a supermarket on a Sunday afternoon. You'll see, and that's usually the busiest day of the week, you'll see shelves empty. Who's going to get those shelves fulfilled the fastest? That's the industry you're dealing with. Think about that, when you deal with a buyer or a director. Forget about looking at your product and what makes your product unique. Those are the responsibilities and the headaches that they have, keeping their stores full. So if you come to them and you've got this cup of coffee, and it's the best cup of coffee, you need to have everything set up so that when you present this cup of coffee, the buyer doesn't have to take his eye off of all the other balls that he's juggling at the same time. The people that do that will be the people that win. So being thoughtful and thinking about the customer first. Um, what Zach does is, is really good. He's <coughs> At least you you understand. The point. I understand, but you really need an
1: importer. You need that logistic side of the business for them to function really well. But um, I agree with you to the extent of that regional broker is better than national because they really know their stores. And if you go with a national broker, he's got upwards of I don't know put in a stupid number, it might be 4,000 SKUs, it might be 5,000 SKUs, and you're you're gonna suffer to get your your brand to the top of his sales list every time he goes into that store. So if you pick a regional broker like these guys, probably good because your brand is really important to them and their sales guy's gonna remember to talk about it every call of the so. Yes, yeah.
0: thank you for making that point. You know, there was a trend, there was a point in time where a national broker provided value because it would save you time from having to interview the Florida market, the Carolina market, the New York market, the Boston market, and so forth. But, I mean, think about it. I mean, would you hire one broker to represent you in all the countries in Europe, all the countries in Asia, and all the countries in South Africa, in South America? You wouldn't do that. You would hire an expert for each space. That's how you need to treat the U.S. Because look at the geography, look at the size. It warrants that. So the big brands in America have done that. The trend for a national powerhouse has proved to be inefficient and non-sustainable. And a lot of the big brokerages that were strong here are losing lines and losing business because they didn't have to interview, they didn't have to be the expert in every market because they were just getting hired because they provided the coverage. But that, again... The bottom fell out on its own I and mean, that's what happens in your space do you tend to have preferred distributors and importers you could work with in our market all these retailers they tell us what distributor they want to use and that's how I would encourage you all to do your business in New York and in the US here get your product here that's all your problem right you don't want to be talking if you get one of these buyers to sit down you don't want to say well I'm gonna import here and I'm gonna cheat you just want to tell them yes product will be here how do you want to get it and they will tell you where they want to get it from and yes there's a list of preferred distributors that vary by department you know there's different distributors that are stronger in meat than there are in bakery or deli so the retailers will tell you where they want to get it from so the distributors don't do selling they will tell you that they do selling and they do do selling but they do selling to compete against other distributors to get that business they do advanced brand selling, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but I grew up with a distributor too, and I'll tell you that perhaps not. You need someone that's a little bit more specified. In the UK, uh, obviously we sell, that's the main thing we do, and we also distribute what we sell. So that, doesn't, that, so that does happen here, but you're an extra layer on top of that. Well, distributors are a warehouse and they're wheels. They are here, yes. That's how you have to view them. People that go out and do advanced, sell through, and have the time to go to talk to a buyer about one product line. That's what a brand advocate would do. So how many many SKUs do you look after then? Does Omni look after? Yeah. There's a few hundred SKUs that we look after. So each of your sales team sells all those few hundred SKUs, do they? Yes. Or do they specialize in? Everyone on our team is trained and educated on how to sell every line that's in our portfolio. It's, it's such a
1: foreign concept to the UK that's just at this level. What you have to understand is that when you do a front-end sales call, as the importer, we can, with the help of our broker, get you that appointment, and if you're dead lucky, they'll say yes, we'll put you in 450 test stores they will tell you they're going to call it in through fill in the blank distributor. Your job then is to go and get that SKU set up with his preferred distributor. So then there, you will go with the broker to that distributor and get that paperwork completed to make that SKU live in that distributor system so it can pull through and so there's all this weird stepping process but it is the nature of it. The brokers really help us by making sure that, that system
0: works. So I wanted to ask you a, a question. Um, what's your biggest challenge now? Biggest challenge now? Yeah, in the business. Cool. Biggest challenge now of running the business, um, well, I would say maintaining the great team environment that we have. And my father had a team and had a, a principal family that is, has changed over time. A lot of his team has retired or moved on, and, and even some of the client base has changed because we all know resources from 20 years ago are not going to be the same resources 20 years from now. So we've had to prepare for that and change, and we have. And we've hand-selected a team of people that I, I'm i blessed to have. I'll, I'll stand before you and tell you, if, if it were not for the team that I have, and Rachel's back there and she's one of them, if i did not have the team that i had today i only would not be representing all this business that we have because similar to lebron james in the nba one guy can't do it alone it really does take a team we've got the best retail reps we've got the best office admin we've got the best business managers so when i put my head on the pillow at night everything that i think about is how to maintain the cohesive atmosphere within our team. And as we're able to do that, keep our core members effective and growing and letting their ideas be shared with all of us, we are continuing to grow. And it was hard putting the team together. I mean, I'll give you full transparency. We've been through people. Right? There are a lot of people that talk to the talk and could talk better than anyone that I knew. But then when it came time to that person getting in a car and driving from the Bronx to the Queens, They got lost along the way or decided not to go to the buyer's (laughs) office. I've mean, i been burned. I've been through that. And it takes going through that to know when you have good people. And then treating your people like gold and giving your people a lot. I talked about getting what you pay for. If you view paying a broker as an expense, as a cost, then don't do it. Don't get into the relationship. The only people that should pay for a broker is someone that wants sales. If you want the business, go hire a brand advocate. Because they're going to go and get it for you. I would say that uh, also uh, you guys know the trick how to get the product in the shelf because yes. it's, it's very tough and I've seen that uh, with our clients at Altios many times in
1: the food industry it's, it's very hard to have that first product in the shelf
0: in certain uh, areas, especially in New York and uh, you, you have the way how to get that product especially in the shelf Yes. You know the trick, know the the, the so we say that. And
1: this goes back to Zach's. Um, it's the trust. It's the trust oh, yeah. he has built. Him and his family have built with all these retailers across all this geography, basically, that keeps them coming back. Zach comes. Zach comes along and says, "Hey, try this bag of whatever," and they're so sure. Zach, give give us some shelf space. So
0: Zach, are you are you now looking at UK brands then for your portfolio? We really have not been looking. It's not something that's in our wheelhouse or what we do. But, like I said, what my father built the business on is not going to be what I built the business on. Mm. So I've got to have an open mind. We've already evolved more diverse than we were when he was running it. So I'm open to, to see everything. I've got a question for the group. Um, IRI is a company that gives data about trends and, uh, and sales, things like that, trends and they asked what supermarket customer's number one request was to improve the overall supermarket shopping experience here in the States. Does anyone have an idea what that request is to make the overall supermarket experience better and more enjoyable? It's product sampling. Uh, okay. People want to try more product before buying it. Of
1: course they do.
0: Get lunch. They don't even want a whole lunch. Just think about it. When people are walking through a store, This is a negotiation going on between Mm -hmm. someone walking around and your brand. There's a negotiation. How does your product look? What's the information? What's the cost? How big is it? How big is the one next to it? Mm -hmm. What's the color scheme? What's the attributes? What's the attributes of the one next to it? This is a negotiation going on in three seconds.
1: How many retailers have done demos and have have they got any results? Because most of what you see out there is performed by a fleet of ladies even older than me
0: that, you know, <laughs> a bit
1: dull and boring. And did they sell anything? I mean, I never. I agree with you, but I don't. I'm not convinced that the results pay off.
0: The reason people do it is not about sales today. It's about sales over the next two years. It, it could be,
1: but did it? You know, did that consumer eat that bar today and think, "I'll oh, well, one them in three months," or is it long gone and they can't even find it on the shelf?
0: I'm glad you said that because if you took. 50 of the top manufacturers in the US, put them in a room like this, and said, what's your view on product sampling, you would have a 50-50 split. 25 would say yes, it's effective, 25 would say no. I told you about the IRI report, the data is the data. That's Mm -hmm. what people want. Now, who does it and the effectiveness of them, that's up to the retailer and the manufacturers. But all IRI gives us is the data. That's what people want. So you're exactly right, control who's going to do it. We've done sampling at every retailer that's listed on here. With well, the stores that you work with, do you have to pay a fee to sample? Nope, no. Generally, the stores are so, you're providing them help. They are short, manual manpower. Yeah. If they had their own staff, they would do these on their own. <laughs> if they had the resources, they would say, you know, hey Jacob, get off the shelves and you're gonna go sample out cheese for the next hour. Yeah. And they can't do it. That they can't sense. do it. It's what I said earlier about keeping the shelves clean. They can't even keep the shelves full. There's, there, there's a crisis. There's a shortage, There's, and it's a margin crisis. This is a, how do you maintain profitability in an industry crisis? So you giving them the labor, no, you shouldn't have to pay a fee on top of that. No. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Doctor.